1: Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to the 1085 Green Iron Podcast. I am your host, Andy Jokey. It is episode number 57. Uh, Unfortunately, this is our second take of this podcast. Uh, We tried recording on Monday. However, uh, the audio didn't record, so that was interesting, to say the least. Um, I'm over my frustration um, about that, so Jack and I are back again to uh discuss some brown stuff with you guys and you know i mentioned jack and i always can't do this without my co-host jack mccurry of the north coast how you doing today jack
2: i'm doing well man eight days till the draft uh can't wait for these eight days to fly by because the last three months have been a struggle getting to these last few days up until the draft but it's always nice to talk with you and always nice to talk brown so looking forward to today's episode
1: Absolutely. You know, we, we've been doing this for, it's probably got to be close to a year now, right?
2: Over a year, we, yeah. Has it been over a year? In, yep, we started in March of 2017, and here we are, 13 months later.
1: Oh boy, it seems like a, a long time. Sometimes it's kind of flown by uh, with the Browns, because there's always something to talk about. Um, you know, Monday we didn't have this to discuss, so we'll we'll jump off with this. Uh, Hugh Jackson made some interesting comments at his press conference, as he always tends to do. Um, you know, he does a fantastic job for people in the media and and people doing podcasts like us uh, by continuously giving us uh, fantastic quotes and saying things that are so off the wall. You want to give us the tell us what he said uh, on Tuesday that uh, made us all raise our eyebrows.
2: Well, I want to go back to Monday when he said it. I don't know if anybody has seen the video clip of him meeting with the team uh, right at the start of the offseason workouts. And he said, winning starts today. And I'm, and that really just it was a typical Hugh Jackson statement because the winning should have started two years ago. Granted, maybe he had one plan, Sashi had another, but I digress. But, you know, they're asking him about the quarterback position and Hugh Jackson's allegedly the quarterback guru which is still to be determined after all the quarterbacks he's gone through in his first 2 years but uh he said that um the one quote was like there was days he's told uh John Dorsey to not even take a quarterback or something to that effect and that that quote was baffling and in the one quote he said having the number 1 pick he says we have a better chance of making a right decision than a wrong one and that's another quote that I just kind of scratched my head at when it comes to Hugh, but you know he's still the same stupid coach that we had last year when we went on and sixteen, and I see nothing's changed despite a new front office that's generally thinking what he's thinking as a football guy, but I mean we'll see uh I think Hugh's on a very short leash rolling into 2018 but uh you know he also the one the last quote he said that um he's laughing at these reports that say like friend of dorsey or um you know people saying oh john dorsey said this or john dorsey said that he said he john dorsey goes dark he goes dark when it comes to this draft process so um i think that kind of puts a uh halt on everybody's reporting saying that you know John Dorsey likes Josh Allen or the Browns are going to draft Sam Darnold I don't think anybody knows except John Dorsey at this point
1: exactly and and, you know that's how it should be you know until eight o'clock rolls around next Thursday night no one else needs to know I mean maybe Jimmy Haslam needs to know um, but you know no one really needs to know up until that point and you know, one of the things that really struck me about the the quote about you know we have a better chance of getting this right than we do of screwing up has he seen what's going on here over the last 19 years I mean come on I mean there's no possible way you can say that with a straight face um, you know anything and everything has gone wrong over the last 19 years including going over 16. Uh, last season. So the, the notion that, you know, there's no way they can screw this up, that, that's ridiculous. They, they can always screw it up. Um, to, to me, that'd be if they took Josh Allen, but that, I, I'll digress on that one.
2: Can I add yeah. something real quick? There, even with the number one pick, not everyone number one picks a home run, whether it's the Browns or it's not the Browns. I mean, you go back and look at the last 20 years uh, Courtney Brown wasn't a, a home run number one pick you know David Carr wasn't a home run number one pick Jamarcus Russell wasn't I mean it having the number one pick you have to get it right it's not an automatic but and it comes and it comes down to coaching is one big thing and Hugh Jackson I mean he might he might say oh we, we have a chance to make a right pick that's not a guarantee and it's on you to make sure that that pick is a home run pick. And, you know, whoever the quarterback is, Hugh Jackson's going to have his hands on him in one form or another uh, when the pick's made. So he's got to make sure he gets it right. Or Hugh Jackson's unfortunately going to be unemployed uh, at the end of next season.
1: You know, looking at at the list of number one picks since the Browns came back in 99, there's what, maybe – one Hall of Famer on there, with a couple others being, um, being that have the possibility to become one. And then the only one I see on that list is Eli Manning in 2004. I mean, you have, uh, Couch, Brown, Michael Vick, maybe I doubt it. Um, David Carr, Carson Palmer, that, that, that's an interesting one. Um, you know, Manning, Alex Smith, Mario Williams, Marcus Russell, Jake Long, Matthew Stafford. He definitely has some potential uh, to make it. Um, Sam Bradford, Cam Newton, uh, definitely has potential to make it. Andrew Luck. Absolutely. If he can get healthy again, uh, Eric Fisher, Jadavion Clowney, uh, Jameis Winston, Goff, and then Miles Garrett. I mean, really, could you say there's only one, been for sure one hall of famer since 99 has been picked number
2: one. Yeah, definitely. Eli Manning's the, for sure. He's going to make the hall of fame. It'll be an interesting debate, but you know, he's been an elite quarterback. He's won two super bowls. You know, people could say what they want about the giants defense, but two Eli Manning made two of the biggest throws in super bowl history to win those two super bowls. So he's a definite lock to be a hall of famer. In my opinion, you know, Stafford might get in. Cam Newton might get in. Luck, if he can come back from this injury, definitely can. But other than that, everybody else is kind of a toss up. Clowney, Winston, and Goff, and obviously Miles Garrett are still to be determined. But those are out of, I mean, Manning's the only lock for sure. Um, speaking of
1: Miles Garrett, uh, he had some, a couple different interesting quotes. Uh, the one they asked him, uh, who he would take a quarterback, and his response was absolutely phenomenal. He said, it is not my job to evaluate quarterbacks. My job is to hit them, um, which, you know, coming from Garrett, I, I, I absolutely love to hear that. And then he mentioned uh, playing with uh, Bradley Chubb. So if you want to go ahead and talk about that one.
2: Yeah, he, you know, they have mentioned, you know, talking about Bradley Chubb and Miles Garrett said something to the effect of, you know, he goes, I think me and Emmanuel Ogba are, are – a pretty good duo and which I would agree on that when they were on the field together, they did some damage last year on that defensive line. But he said, if we can get Bradley Chubb as well, he goes, that would be make our pass rushing uh group even greater. And I agree with that. And I think people know that I'm on the uh, Bradley Chubb bandwagon with the fourth pick. And if they added him it along with Agba and Garrett, I think, um, the AFC North better watch out as well as the rest of the AFC because, uh, having and you've seen it how it's worked over the last few years, how these uh pass rushing defenses have come to be to when it comes to the playoffs and you know winning Super Bowls. And if the Browns could land a guy like Chubb, it would be great to pair him up with Garrett and Agba. Um, I-
1: I'm trying to re- remember the other things we discussed. Oh, Jarvis Landry. Um, Last Thursday, Friday, Jarvis Landry signed a five-year extension over to Cleveland Browns. This is a five-year, $75.5 million deal um, with 47 of that guaranteed. Is this a, a good extension, bad extension, about what you expected? What do you think about that?
2: Uh, you know, I have no problem with it. Um, I know some people are saying that it's too much for a slot receiver when he got franchise tag for 15.9 million by the dolphins. That essentially was the starting price, uh, starting, uh, yeah. Price of the negotiations. And, you know, he did take a slight discount, you know, instead of making 15.9 million a year, he'll be making 15.1 after this season when the extension kicks in, which I'm pretty sure, um, it does kick in after this franchise tag season, but You know, Landry has been one of the most reliable receivers in the league since being drafted in 2014, 400 catches in four years. Um, Not too many receivers can do that. And with the Browns luck at receivers uh, at the wide receiver position over the years, you know, you have to get, keep talent like that. It was just like when we traded for Jamie Collins, I'm sure people were complaining about how much money he was making, but you know, the Browns have a hard time recruiting free agents to come here and when you get talent like that, you have to keep them. And we do have a lot of cap space. It's we're gonna have 40 to 50 million again to roll over next year. So I'm not worried about the financial aspect of it. Um Landry has been a great uh football player to have since we acquired him. Um he's saying all the right things. Now we just got to see him go out on the field and do what he did in Miami.
1: Yeah, I saw you also got out into the community too as well. so he's starting to do things off the field as well. Um, you know it, it, I'm glad that it, they were able to get this extension done. Um, you know this leaves the door open if uh, next season uh, Josh Gordon has a good year and you have trouble keeping him, they're able to place the franchise tag on him. Um, so you know, I'm really looking forward to see what Landry uh, can do with the Browns this coming season. Oh, one of the other things we discussed on Monday, uh, we'll talk about a little bit here. Um, the Josh Allen stuff—is it going away? Is it something that you expect to go away, or do you could you expect this buzz to continue to grow up until the draft?
2: Yeah, it's not going away, and it just seems like it's it 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 seems like on Monday when we recorded that it was getting bigger, but I still think it's it's at this point on Wednesday when we're recording, it's starting to kind of die back down. Um, Daniel Jeremiah, who's very connected with the NFL and also with the Browns front office, he, uh, you know, he released his latest mock draft. It's got Darnold at number one. And this is also, he also said about a week ago that he's heard that John Dorsey's guy is Josh Allen. So, and Jeremiah does these mock drafts based on what he hears. And, and also like the odds in Vegas have shifted back to Darnold being the favorite and he's the favorite by a lot now. So, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe that Allen stuff was a smoke screen or something to like try to get someone to come up and maybe trade the uh trade up for Arm or something. Uh maybe he's still the guy and we'll find out in 8 days, but um I tend to believe and I've gone back and forth on this. I still think Darnold's going to be the pick at number 1. But at this point, if Allen's the pick it really wouldn't shock me.
1: Yeah, you know, I I would say Allen's is the only one I don't want to take uh, in terms of quarterback. Uh, you know, one of the other three uh, would be okay with me. Uh, Baker, maybe not so much, but I would be more okay with that than uh, than Josh Allen. Uh, we wanted to to try a new segment here on the podcast. Um, it is called Place Your Bet. I am going to give Jack two scenarios, and he is going to have to place his bet on scenario A happening or scenario B happening. So the first scenario I have for Jack is, do you place your bet on the Browns trading down from number four or would you place your bet on the Browns trading up from number 33?
2: Well, Monday I had said one thing, but I'm going to change another. Um, I'm going to place my bet on them trading up from thirty with 33 and 35. I think – They are right now sticking to staying at one and four because I think they're going to get two pretty good prospects, one being a quarterback and the other one being – whoever they have is the best non-quarterback on the draft board, whether that's like a Bradley Chubb or a Saquon Barkley. Um, and then I think with 33 and 35, they're going to look at, you know, potentially say they draft Bradley Chubb at four. If they are interested in a running back like a Darius Geis or a Ronald Jones, and they know that they're not going to be there at 33 or 35, then I can see them packaging picks those picks and maybe some of those late round picks to move up and acquire a player, whether it's a running back, like the guys I mentioned, or maybe if it's a cornerback, like a Jair Alexander or um, there's Carlton Davis, uh, Mike Hughes. Those are some guys that have been rumored to be in the late first round or even a Josh Jackson. I've seen that he might slip a little bit. So I know the Browns uh, have a suppressing need at corner as well as another couple positions. And I think with the quarterbacks going early, some of these big-time players are going to drop a little bit. So I would expect the Browns to be active and walk away again with three first-round picks.
1: All right, second scenario. Do you place your bet on Corey Coleman being on a roster by training camp? Or do you place your bet on Corey Coleman not being on a roster at training camp?
2: I'm gonna place my bet and say he's gonna be on the team. Uh it's been a quiet off season for Coleman, uh, which is always a good thing because he's had some trouble off the field, you know, with his maturity and you know, he's had some run ins with the law. But, you know, it's been quiet. I think he's coming in looking to work hard. This is a guy entering his third year and there's a lot of critics there saying Coleman was a bust and you know, for that matter the entire 2016 first round uh, group of wide receivers haven't really panned out with Michael Thomas being a second round pick and looking like already a top 10 receiver in the league. Coleman's got a lot to prove. And, you know, with the addition of Landry, that's going to slide Coleman down to being the third wide receiver. So I expect him to come in and have a good offseason and try to prove to people, including John Dorsey, that he's worth keeping around long term in Cleveland. So I'm going to place my bet and say Coleman will be here.
1: All right, the last one I – actually, no, I take that back. I have two more. Um, Josh Gordon, would you place your bet on Josh Gordon getting an extension before the trade deadline? Or do you place your bet on Josh Gordon getting traded before the trade deadline?
2: Wait. you Wait, so are you placing my bet that he's going to be traded or not going to be traded?
1: Your bet is either to, the Browns give him an extension before the trade deadline or that they would trade him before the trade deadline.
2: Uh, okay. I misheard you. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to place my bet on an extension, much like Coleman. It's been a quiet off season for Josh Gordon. Um, he's been working really hard. If anybody's seen him on Instagram or Snapchat, the guy's been putting in the work. Um, he's been sober for, I think about eight, nine months now, which is really good for him. And um, I would expect him to stay on the right path at this point. Ho- I mean, hopefully I'm right about this one. Um, Gordon's got the great talent to be a top wide receiver in this league. And, you know, Tyrod Taylor in that Browns offense is going to need Josh Gordon um, along with Jarvis Landry and Corey Coleman. So I think Gordon stays on the right track. And he, maybe we get to a point at the end of the season where Dorsey and the front office offer him a contract extension.
1: Yeah, I would absolutely love to see him uh, succeed. And, you know, I, I would absolutely love for him to get an extension as well. Uh, my last one for you is kind of based on something we saw today about Tom Brady. And, you know, I fully expect him to play this season. I, I think most people do. But it was put out there today that he hasn't really decided yet if he's going to play in 2018. So my my place your bet scenario for you is. Uh, Tom Brady starts week one for the Patriots, or Josh Rosen starts week one for the New England Patriots.
2: Uh, I'm going to place my bet and say Tom Brady. I mean, while Schefter said that um, Brady is non-committal towards right now for the 2018 season, they're saying people are expecting him to play. I know there's a lot of stuff going on between him and Belichick, and I think it's obvious at this point, and also with the rumors that. Uh, Belichick or not even Belichick, but the Patriots are looking at moving up for a quarterback and they expect Josh Rosen to slide. Um, I would imagine Brady that's going to light a fire under Brady and I expect him to be in a Patriots uniform this year. So I'm going to place my bet and say he's the week one starter for new England.
1: Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, how it's not often that you bet against uh, Tom Brady for sure. All right. Let's uh, jump in. Is that everything for the news uh, that we talked about Monday and what we wanted to discuss today before I move forward? Uh,
2: There's something about Barkley, but we'll just bring him up when we talk about him coming up.
1: All right. That makes sense. All right. Um, So we're going to continue our NFL draft prospect breakdown uh, for you guys. Um, We have 10 more prospects uh, for you to discuss today. Uh, They're all on offense. We have four running backs and six wide receivers. Uh, we're going to start with some of the some of the wide receivers here. We have, uh, I, I'm going to butcher his name, E Equine- Equineus, Equine- Just, call him, name Brown. Just e- call him EQ. Just call him EQ. <laughs> Just EQ. <laughs> I, I would imagine those that have been following closely to the draft know him as EQ, so I'm not even going to attempt to say his name. Um, you have EQ, Deshaun Hamilton, and Trey Smith. They're kind of the three lesser-known wide receivers, Uh, What can you tell us about these three guys and uh, how do you stick out from each other?
2: Uh, Well, I mean, EQ right off the bat sticks out among them all because he's the biggest one out of that group. He's at six foot, he's six foot five, Um, little slender for a guy that big at only 214 pounds, but he's very athletic, very quick for a guy, his size 4.4 speed. Um, Didn't really test out much and, at the combine I don't know uh he didn't do the full workout because of a knee injury um but you know in his pro day he showed he's got really long wingspan at almost seven feet you know he his vertical jumps only 34 and a half inches but I think there's a guy that can come in and be a solid vertical threat for anybody um that's got a big strong arm like say we draft Josh Allen you know he would be a guy that uh would be perfect for a guy like um Allen Brown can get down the, down the field. He's got, you know, obviously the long arms, he's very athletic and tall. So he's going to be able to be a solid red zone threat. I think at the next level, uh, Deshaun Hamilton, great athlete. First of all, he played both football and basketball at Penn state. So that just shows you how great of an athlete he is. Um, another guy that's got, he's got a solid wingspan, a decent vertical, uh, not, he's a little bit slower for a guy his size he's only 6'1 203 pounds he only runs four or five but great playmaker the only thing i worry about him is his hands but he had a good performance at the senior bowl and showed that he's got um he's got while he doesn't have the dominant physical traits his body he's got great body control and his feet are great to uh, set up cornerbacks when he's running his routes, so that's a solid tools to have at the next level. And then with Trey Smith, he's probably the lesser known out of this group. Um, coming out of Central Florida, you know, he was a big time part of why they went undefeated and self proclaimed national champions, but. <laughs> but uh you know an, also another solid athlete four or five speed 37 and a half inch vertical uh solid broad jump ran all the drills very well at the, at the combine um good hands he's uh he's got all the ball he's got great ball skills can make plays uh on all levels of the field whether it's down the field running crossing routes or just running you know um the standard post routes uh He's drawn comparisons to Allen Robinson, and we've seen Allen Robinson was a, wasn't a was like the highest-touted prospect, but he was in a great wide receiver class in 2014. But, you know, Traquan Smith's a guy you can pick up in the middle rounds and I think could be a solid contributor. Maybe not right away, but maybe by his second or third year, he could be a solid wide receiver at the next level. Uh, first
1: off, uh, UCF. Is definitely the national champions. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I I'll I'll just say that. Um, one of the, the other guys we want to discuss is Cortland Sutton. Uh, he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit, although I think he could definitely be one of the the top um, receivers in this draft, maybe maybe the best one. He's definitely a, a bigger guy. Um, he came from SMU, uh, so you know there weren't always eyeballs on him. What can you tell us about Corwin Sutton? Uh,
2: another big vertical playmaker like a EQ Brown AQ Saint Brown. Um, you know, the perfect size, I think, and speed for a wide receiver, you know, six three, he runs four five, uh decent vertical jump, you know, he tested out well at the combine, I think. Um his wing leftovers or <laughs> the
0: DMV 97. or house cleaning or chumba. chumba casino always brings the fun play over a 100 different games online for free from anywhere you could redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com live the chumba life no purchase necessary t plus terms and website for details
2: expand like these guys got long arms for a receiver, which is amazing. His is at 79 and a quarter inches. Um, He's another guy that's going to be a beast down in the red zone. I think Uh, Dane Brugler and Rob Ryan compare him to an art monk, but I look at him more as a Alshon Jeffrey, how he came out with um, out of South Carolina back in 2012. I think it was Um, had the build and everything, but obviously there was, you know, some negatives drawing Jeffrey, but he's kind of proven everybody wrong during his career in Chicago and Philly. And I think Sutton, he was an early first round pick, like right at the end of the NFL season. And he's kind of slid down the board a little bit. Um, But, you know, he's got the great physical traits to be a good wide receiver in this league. And, you know, really solid hands. And he, in his time in SMU, he found his way into the end zone a lot. 31 touchdowns over three seasons, um i think he's going to be definitely in a top 50 pick like rang and Bruegler have mentioned in here and he would be a guy that if we didn't trade up and take a wide receiver in the late first round like a calvin ridley uh he would be a guy that i would definitely hope the browns consider at 33 or 35
1: um what the next day is going to talk about is uh, dj moore from maryland um you know, if you hadn't had a chance to listen to our last podcast uh, with Mark Schofield, I really encourage you to do so. He works with Inside the Pylon, and, uh, and Inside the Pylon's draft guide. They have D.J. Moore listed as the number one wide receiver in this class. What about uh, D.J. Moore to you uh, makes him possibly the number one receiver in this class?
2: Well, you know, he – you know, he's – Short, he's so small guy at six foot, but he he's quick at four four three speed, good long, long arms, big wingspan, and you know he at Maryland he was the number one receiver, but I think, and he's got number one ability, but I think teams are gonna look at him more as a slot guy, kind of like a Golden Tate where he can play inside and outside. Um He's got you know good frame for a guy six foot tall, and he's got the agility and the physicality at a guy that big to play the receiver position. Um, he can jump up and he had, he's got a 39 and a half inch vertical, which is amazing for a wide receiver. He's going to be able to uh, contest like deep threat shots. And with his speed, he's going to, they're going to expose him and put him downfield on a lot of plays. I think at the next level, um, you know, maybe he starts out in the slot, but I think, He'll be able to rotate in and out. And I think, you know, Todd Haley would be a perfect guy for him because, you know, you've seen what he can do with guys like Martavis Bryant, Antonio Brown, uh, Juju Smith Schuster, where he rotates those guys all over their play, whether they're playing inside or outside as a receiver. And I think more, you know, he's another guy that this could be a guy where the Browns might trade 33 and 35 and move up to get him because I've seen him as high as New England at 23, and he might even go higher than that. I know there's the debate between him and Calvin Ridley as who's the number one receiver, but I think DJ Moore is going to be a solid playmaker at the next level. If he was able to do it in the Big Ten, where you have to play Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. If you can do it against those defenses, then I think you're going to be a solid contributor at the next level.
1: All right, on to the other guy who, you know, is battling to be that number one uh, receiver in his draft, uh, and that is Calvin Ridley out of Alabama. What about Calvin Ridley uh, to you uh, could potentially make him the the number one receiver taken in this draft? Uh,
2: You know, Ridley, he's always caught my eye ever since he was a freshman at Alabama. He, you know, it was him and Amari, or I think he took, I don't know if him and Amari Cooper played together, but... You know, right from the onset, you know, Ridley showed that, you know, I'm just as good as Cooper and Julio Jones. And we've seen how great they've were from the time they were at Alabama all the way to their success in the NFL. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Ridley's always been a solid NFL or wide receiver. He's got good hands. You know, he plays fast. He doesn't test out fast, but, you know, he is a quick wide receiver when he's on the field. Um You know, he might not be as, as good athlete as a Cooper and Jones were, but you know, when he's on the field, he makes consistent plays all the time. Uh, He's got, you know, he's great route runner, which is good because some of these uh, wide receivers in recent years, Corey Coleman, immediate example, these guys don't know the entire route tree. Uh, I think, you know, obviously playing in Alabama, they're going to teach you how to be a pro right from day one once you step in to uh, Tuscaloosa and I think Ridley is going to be that right from the start you know the only thing and I've seen this be a struggle for him um doesn't have great strength not the most physical wide receiver and he's going to be 24 during his rookie year you know Corey Coleman's only going to be 23 this year so you know that's kind of a red flag you might not get him Ridley for as long a career as you could for other receivers in this draft. But um, Ridley's always been the number one receiver in this draft class to me. Like I, I've said constantly, I'm not the greatest talent evaluator, but um, I think Ridley's going to find a solid role. I expect him to go in the 10 to 20 range, and um, I think he's going to be a solid receiver at the next level.
1: Well, let's move on to some of the running backs uh, in this draft. These are the last four uh, that we're going to discuss. One of my personal favorites is one of the guys who, excuse me, I think I think surprised a lot of people in the Senior Bowl, and that was Kalen Balazh uh, out of San Diego State University.
2: What What do you about um uh, catches your eye? Uh, well, first of all, he's six foot one, two hundred and thirty pounds, which is unbelievable for a running back. how big he is, uh, great athlete you know, four, four speed had a 37 inch vertical at his pro day compared to a 33 inch vertical at the combine, which is very astonishing how, uh, he somehow gained four inches in a month. So that's just pretty, uh, staggering, uh, great all purpose back, you know, he, uh, 3000 career all purpose yards at, at, uh, Arizona state, one of 26 players. And he had 29 touchdowns, which is top 10 at Arizona state. Um, good physical runner um you don't see many he was very didn't have very much production uh at arizona state but you can see that the tools are there for him to be he could be one of those guys like an alfred morris that slides in as a mid-round pick and uh comes to the nfl and explodes and becomes one of these great running backs so uh he's a guy that if the browns were going to take two running backs perhaps if they take Barkley early or they take one of these guys early and he falls to a spot they're comfortable with in the fourth or fifth round uh, I can see the Browns taking him again I know we have Matthew Days and we already have and Johnson on the roster but uh, this could be a guy that comes in to training camp in the preseason like an Isaiah Crowell who was a undrafted rookie but made his way onto the roster and had a great rookie year I can see Ballard's doing that whether he's here or whether he's anywhere on the National Football League
1: uh, thank you for correcting me uh, with the Arizona State thing twice. Uh, I had him and Richard Penny uh, confused oh. as, to where they, as to where they went to school. So thank you. <clears throat> that's what I'm um, there for. Exactly. I, like I said, i said many times, if I were to do this by myself, the show would be a train wreck. And that's why Jack is here. He keeps me in line. Um, he fact checks me, and sometimes we all need a fact checker. Um, tell me about Carry On Johnson. You know, here's a guy from from Auburn who, uh, you know, played very well. Uh, He's been there for two or three years now and has been pretty consistent. Tell me about Johnson
2: and uh, where he could fit into all of this. Johnson's a great running back. I remember watching him numerous times at Auburn. Um, You know, he's a small guy at 5'11 and 213 pounds, but, you know, he is just a solid running back. You know, he – you look at his scouting report – you know he's got great vision, which is good. You know for an SEC back, you know most of these SEC teams have great offensive lines and they create these massive holes. We've seen it with Trent Richardson, um, and how he struggled with his vision. It's good to know that On Johnson is g- got the vision to be a running back at a good running back at the next level. Um, he has elite patience, is what they're saying. He waits for blocks to develop. I don't know if that's they call that a strength. I don't know if that's a good strength at the next level, just because of how fast these defensive players are. And, you know, you might wait for a block or a hole to open up, but it could close just like that with these athletes in the front seven these days. Um, You know, the injury concerns are definitely there. Um, I remember the SEC title game for sure. You know, he struggled with, an injury and wasn't effective against Georgia and that's ultimately I think why Georgia won I think if Johnson would have been 100% it could have been a different game because Auburn was red hot at the end of the season and could have been the national champions for all we know but um you know Johnson's a guy that I think is going to go in the second or third round if he can stay healthy I think he'd be a great uh, run, he'll be a good running back, not a great running back, but you know he might be suited for a place like Cleveland that's already got Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson here. You know he doesn't have to take the load as a running back. I know um, you know having two or three running backs would all, is always great to have. So if Johnson were to fall to say 64 and the Browns haven't taken a running back yet, wouldn't mind taking a chance on him. He can be a guy that I think could be a thousand yard back at the next level, but I uh, also could see him being in a role. Where you know he just rotates and makes his contributions. He doesn't, you know, he's not going to put up the jaw dropping stats, but when he gets on the field, I think he'll make solid play after play.
1: Looking at uh, Ronald Jones out of USC, uh, tell me about him. And you know, he could potentially go in the later part of the first round, so he might be someone that the Browns have to trade back up for. Tell me why the Browns would do that in acquiring Jones. Uh,
2: you know, he's. You know, he's coming out of a solid school that's produced a lot of great running backs. USC, you know, you look Marcus Allen, OJ Simpson, Reggie Bush, Lendell White, all these guys were great college running backs and had success in one form or another in the National Football League. And I think Ronald Jones can bring that to the table at the next level. Uh, very small for a running back, 205 pounds, um, not that fast. He only ran like a 4.48 at the comp or in his pro day. He couldn't participate at the combine because of a hamstring injury. Um, you know, but great athlete, obviously, you know, he could be a kick returner at the next level, uh, Averaged 6.1 yards of carry at USC, which is top five in school history. I just mentioned the running backs that have been there. It, you know, that just tells you right there, you know, he's in great company. He's one of the best running backs the Trojans have ever produced. Um, you know, he accelerates into the hole quickly, Um Great lateral explosion. Um, The only thing I worry about him is much like carry Johnson is the durability. You know, he dealt with an ankle sprain last year, obviously the hamstring injury limited him at the combine, but um, they're saying that he's, he needs to improve on his workload. Well, he could come here. The Browns could ease him in to a workload, obviously with Hyden Johnson already established. So Jones would be a guy if the Browns like him enough you know He could be there at 33 or 40, 35, but if they're high on him, they're going to have to move up into the late first round, I think, to get him because I could see if Darius Geist goes off the board in the top 20, which is some it's been rumored that he could, um, I could see a, ru- a run on running backs going at the end of the first round, including Jones.
1: Yeah, I, I could absolutely see maybe Green Bay taking a running back uh, where they're at uh, in the draft. Uh, that could, you know, throw a wrench into the uh, the Browns' plans of taking one at thirty three and thirty five. Uh, let, let's talk about the top running back in this class, and that would be Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, Saquon has absolutely caught the eye of many people here in Cleveland uh, to the point of where some want him at number one. Um, is he, to you, is he worth uh, being in consideration for a number one pick? Let's take the the quarterbacks out of the equation because I would say, you know, this is um, – may get a truer answer if you do that. If you take the quarterbacks out of the equation at number one, is Saquon Barkley deserving of being a number one overall pick?
2: If we're going by who the best players in the draft are, Saquon Barkley would definitely be in the discussion of the number one pick. Um I've seen the three safest play picks in this draft are Saquon Barkley, Quentin Nelson, the guard out of Notre Dame, and Bradley Chubb, the defensive end out of uh, North Carolina State. Uh, Barkley, uh, some have said he's the best running back prospect since Adrian Peterson. But, and it, it, that line right there always cracks me up because in the last like four drafts, we've had Todd Gurley. Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, now Saquon Barkley. And I'm pretty sure at each one during their time, during the pre-draft hype, those guys were all said as the greatest running back prospects of Adrian Peterson. Um, You know, Barkley's got everything you want in a running back. (coughs) Excuse me. At 233 pounds, he ran a uh, 4.440 at the combine, and some even clocked him in the 4.3s, which is crazy for a running back his size. Um, had 29 bench press reps, which was more than Joe Thomas had in his combine in 2007, had a 41 inch vertical. Um, he was a great kick returner. Uh, he did everything at Penn state. You know, he was a good, he had good hands for a receiver, uh, was, he had both a thousand yards and 500 receiving yards. Uh, only 24 players have done that in FBS since 2000. Uh, it's, you've seen how many how many college players have gone through the ranks since two thousand. It's and he's only the twenty fourth to do it. Um Barkley, you know, if we weren't if we did if we hadn't a quarterback like say Deshaun Kaiser had a great rookie year, um, I probably would be more confident and he was if if Kaiser was still here, I would have no problem turning in the card and drafting Saquon Barkley number one overall. Um but like we've said, we need the quarterback, and the quarterback position is something that the Browns have needed for a long time. They cannot pass it up for a guy like Barkley. And I know some people say we have to take Barkley and we can get a quarterback at four. That's, I mean, if the Browns had all the quarterbacks graded closely, then I could understand why they would do that. They could take Barkley at one and then, you know, get Rosen or Mayfield or Allen at four, but the Browns can't do that. And it would be stupid, and I think we would maybe continue to look like the laughing stock of the league. So uh, Barkley, he would definitely be a top three player in this draft, but I can't fathom drafting him number one overall um, as it stands today.
1: Again, throwing the quarterbacks out of it, if you were able to take either Barkley, Chubb, or Nelson at number one, who would you take personally? Pers- Regar- reg- regardless of TV than anything else.
2: It would be close with me between him and Chubb because the idea of having Miles Garrett, Agba, and Chubb as your pass rushers is would be exciting. Um, but I would feel like in that scenario, do you take the quarterbacks away? I would think we could get Barkley at one and by a slight chance we could – Potentially get Chubb at four. Or we can trade up to two or something in the scenario and get both those guys. And having both of those guys would be great. But um, I think at the end of the day, it would take Barkley because at number one, you know, regardless of the quarterback position, you have to draft elite, Hall of Fame worthy talent. And I think Barkley has has the tools and all the skill and the skill set to be a Hall of Fame running back at the next level.
1: Oh. Uh, do you want to discuss uh, some of the stuff that Barkley uh, was in the news for today with Sports Illustrated?
2: Yeah. Um, ben Baskin had a great write-up on Saquon Barkley that's going to be in Sports Illustrated. Barkley's one of – I think him and Baker Mayfield are on the cover of Sports Illustrated this week, you know, hyping up the draft. And the one interesting uh, final note on Barkley – and it pertained to his agency group, uh, rock nation, which is led by, uh, um, Jay-Z, the rapper. And he said that Barkley's representation has, uh, said that, uh, Barkley, they don't want Barkley to be the number one pick. They don't want him in Cleveland. They would rather him be in New York, the media capital of the world. And where he could be the, uh, the next like face of the national football league. Now his, Rock Nation also represents Browns head coach Hugh Jackson. And they also told him that if the Browns were to take him at one or four to pull Eli Manning, but Barkley has already come out and said they won't do that. And then Rock Nation has also responded to the report and denied it. So, I mean, I can understand, you know, they're like if rock nation thinks, Oh, Barkley's going to, going to be in Cleveland, he won't get as much publicity or recognition. If he's as good a running back as everybody thinks, and he leads that Browns offense back into the national spotlight, it doesn't matter where he plays. And Daryl Ryder brought, he brought up a great point. He said, LeBron's the face of the NBA. He's in Cleveland and it, it doesn't matter where Barkley plays. Um, and you know, the, the running back position while it's been, it's starting to make a little comeback with the guys like Gurley Elliott and Fournette. Most people see the running back position as a plug and play position, which Ryder said. So, I mean, if these guys are concerned about Barkley, you know, his image, you know, his image, if he plays well in the field, his image is going to be high wherever he goes. So I don't understand why rock nation would say that, you know, they've denied it, but I still have my doubts that they, you know, they may feel that way. And I know Cleveland hasn't been anything good to celebrate about recently, but you know, things change with talent. And if Barkley came here, I think the Browns uh, perception would change quickly.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, having a, a running back on this offense along with Najoku and Landry and Josh Gordon and Corey Coleman and the rookie quarterback, um, you know, and and even Tyrod for now, Uh, I think it'd be, it's very intriguing. It's a very interesting thought. And uh, I guess we'll find out, you know, we have eight days until the NFL draft. Thank God. Uh, I can't take any more of this, Uh, but you know, we're almost there and, you know, we'll be finding out here very shortly about what the Browns uh, finally decide to do.
2: Is there anything else we want to discuss before we get on out here? No, I think we covered everything for now. There hasn't, been any new rumors during this recording so we're good to go
1: <laughs> exactly it'll it'll break with after we're done here as it usually does so um well go ahead and plug everything you're doing at the north coast sports
2: yeah you know we're covering the Cavs playoffs uh as if there's anything posted it'll be from either me or my colleague jake samulek um mock draft I think it's 7.0 or 8.0. I forget always how many I've done. Um, 7.0. Not as oh, – 7.0, thank you. Not as many as our buddy Stephen Thomas, but you know, I like to take little jabs at him for that every now and then. But uh, check out the site, thenorthcoastsports.com. Check out my new podcast, uh, The North Coast Sportscast. It's available on all podcast platforms. Uh, follow that page at NC sports cast. Follow me personally on Twitter at J McCurry CLE and check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash the North coast sports.
1: You know, if I did as many mock drafts as Steven Thomas, I would personally ask you to lock me away in some insane asylum because that would just be absolutely ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I can't believe he does what he does with all his mock drafts. That, that takes some dedication and some motivation uh, to do all those. So I give him a lot of credit, even though we'd like to poke fun at him when he's not here. Um, you know, who knows if he's listening or not. But uh, as always, uh, you can follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Gridiron. You can follow me personally at Anthony Joki J-O-K-I. Uh, you can find the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and the Overcast app. Um, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, give us a rating, uh, we would absolutely appreciate it. Uh I mentioned earlier that Mark Schofield was on with us from inside the pylon. If you want to check out his draft guide, uh you know I mentioned that DJ Moore was his top receiver in there. If you want to check that out, um use the promo code 1085 and the word five. And uh, you get five dollars off of that draft guide. It is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, inside the final I'll put together uh, some phenomenal work uh, to bring this to all of us. And I, I really encourage you to go check that out. Uh, as we get on out of here, and you know we're eight days from the NFL draft. Um, you know, I'll leave you with this as I leave you uh, every time uh, we do this podcast, and that is go Browns.